welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. You know that story that we were just hearing from Matt and his family and daughter, there wasn't a picture up, but an amazing provision by God. You know, God's a God who does, as the Bible says, exceedingly above what we can ask or think. Amen? Well, there's one of us thinks that. Okay. And he, he really can. Well, it's good to be here. Um, is it a good morning for you? Two of you? Okay. Well, I, I pray this morning that because I really sense God, particularly in some of our lives, he really wants to lift us to another level. Amen? Amen? That's right. And uh, because God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Do you believe that? Is he? Well, we've been looking uh, the last uh, two or three weeks on the minor prophets, and they faced many challenging situations. And we're going to look at Habakkuk this morning, and uh, he was another minor prophet. He lived around about 600 BC, years before Christ, and uh, he lived in an unjust, rotten Jewish society. Uh, his name literally means someone who embraces or clings to or wrestles with God. And Habakkuk insisted on getting answers from God. I wonder if you do. He did. Uh, you know, when we uh, see evidences of violence and injustice, you know, we've got the Ukraine-Russian uh, uh, war and the terrible heartbreaking scenes that we see on the television, do you ever wonder why God does not stop such evil? The innocent suffer, the guilty appear to go free. Habakkuk asked such questions and his first complaint was, why don't the bad suffer? Habakkuk was overwhelmed with the wickedness, the injustice, the crime, the violence that he saw all around him in Judea. And he said these words, hopefully on the screen, yes. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry violence and you don't hear me? Habakkuk believed that God had removed himself from the earthly scene and that men were in control, and he uses certain phrases to describe what he felt about the iniquity there of this place, the trouble, the plundering, the violent strife, the contentions, that the law is powerless, justice never gets, goes forth, wicked surrounds the righteous, and there's perverse judgment proceeding. And Habakkuk asked God to send justice and punishment to these wicked people. And God replied. He, Habakkuk got more than he bargained for. 
He said, I have a plan in action and I'm going to send the Babylonian army to destroy the inhabitants and take the Judeans into captivity. And Habakkuk was staggered at that. And so he came up with his second complaint. Why use the bad to, to punish the bad? Why do the good suffer? Have asked these questions? Habakkuk was appalled. His moral sense of outrage, however bad his own society, the Babylonians were far worse. Um, even God agreed. They are terrible and dreadful. And God's answer to Habakkuk at this point was this. The good will survive and the bad will suffer. I wonder where, at what point you are this morning, maybe like Habakkuk, clinging to God for dear life, wrestling with him over some issue, some person, some conflict that you're facing in your life. The, the God who is good and all-powerful and compassionate, why is there no apparent breakthrough in your situation? You know, many of us wrestle with issues by ourselves or with other people. But the best person to wrestle with is God, to seek him and to cling to him to give us an answer. Habakkuk did just that. He clung to God and set himself before the Lord to find a full explanation. And in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I will stand, watch to see what he will say to me. I want to ask you this morning, have you got a relationship with God where you learn to bring things to him and hear his answers into your situation? I will stand watch to see what he will say to me. And God answered him and he says, look, write the vision and the vision that I give you will surely come to pass. And he said to Habakkuk, you must have a long-term view. You know, very often in our circumstances, we have a short-term view. We bring a situation to God and we expect the answer straight away. Isn't that right? Yes, it's true. Well, or we'd like one in the very near future. Sometimes situations, God's answers are long-term. And in the end, though, God said, the unjust societies, the Babylonians, will fall. And the oppressed will have the last word. And the promise was in Habakkuk 2.4, the just, the righteous ones, shall live, shall survive by their faith, their faithfulness to me. The just shall live by faith. I, and what else? did God probably say to Habakkuk? What did he show to him in vision for this appointed time? It, will, it says it will surely come. What 
will surely come. These are the questions, I guess, Habakkuk, who clung after God, who sought for answers from God, would ask him. You know, uh, I don't know if we've got the picture up. Yeah, I've, I want to bring to your attention what I see to be a great, amazing historical truth. There you've got Cyrus, the Persian king. You may think, where does he fit into all this? Well, if you go back to Isaiah, what I've been, I studied Isaiah in a meditative way uh, quite deeply some time ago. And he's a, he's a very, he's a favorite prophet of mine. Uh, the way God spoke to him prophetically Many details about Jesus, hundreds of years before Jesus came. But also, in, uh, in Isaiah 44, he mentions this man, Cyrus. And 700 years before, he calls Cyrus by name, he names him. Before he ever appeared, before he was ever born, over 100 years before he arrived. And he names him three times in, in, his, in his book to prove to the Persian king who was going to be born uh, many years later that God is the only true God. Look what he says. And that he was going to use Cyrus to release the Jews from a captivity. And uh, as we look at this, this is what he says in Isaiah 44. Who shall say of Cyrus? He names him. He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure. Saying to Jerusalem, which we're going to go into captivity years later, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundations shall be laid. 45, I have raised him up, Cyrus, in righteousness. I will direct all his days. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free. And Cyrus did just that. Wonderful, years later. Cyrus was used to save the Jews and the sovereign God was working and bringing his purposes to pass. And this prophetic word, hundreds years before, through Isaiah, he showed that he was going, had a great and glorious future in store for the Jews. Habakkuk 2.3, it will surely come. Amen? What else would surely come? Well, God allowed the Jews 70 years in Babylon. He planned their return to Jerusalem. Uh, and he, he planned this before they were ever taken into captivity. You see, one of the things we need to realize about God the sovereign God, he's got an overview, hasn't he? From the past to the future, he sees everything. Amen? And he brings his purposes to pass. And uh, so he was planning this to happen. And Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, he, he had a tough time, did Jeremiah. I feel sorry for Jeremiah. Uh, the weeping prophet, uh, and he prophesied, Jeremiah 29, after 70 years, he was around at the same time as Habakkuk. 
right? So they would know each other. And he, he prophesied, after 72 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place, okay? And uh, then we come to a passage that many of us know and that we apply to ourselves. But he was speaking this to the Jews themselves. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Amen? Anybody here for a hope and a future? Yes. And he says, then you will call upon me and go to pray to me and I'll listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, there's a two-way thing. God's often wanting to bless abundantly, but we have a responsibility to search God, not just from at head level, but with all our hearts. And he said this to these people here. You'll find me and search me when you do that with all your hearts. I will be found of you. You know, when we search for God with all our hearts, whatever our situation is, we'll be found of God. We'll find him. He'll meet our need. And I will bring you back from captivity. So, I... I wonder this morning where we are in our situation. These uh, middle verses are favourites. A hope and a future. I know the thoughts, the Lord says, that I think towards you. You know, brothers and sisters this morning, God knows the thoughts that he feels towards us. He really does. And he says, they're not for trouble but it's to give you, each one, a hope and a future. We've been taking communion this morning. That's why he came. That's the extent of his love towards us, to draw us to himself and, uh, and uh, to give us that future. I remember as a, a lad of 10, I was, had some struggles. I was born with my feet in and had lots of operations on my feet and all that sort of thing. And life was a struggle, calipers for 10 years. But when I was 10 years old, I found Jesus. He became my Lord and Saviour. And, uh, and he changed, he gave me a hope and a future. Struggle in natural life, but God broke in, in my life. And his presence was real. I was remember uh, singing that song, old old chorus round the campfire standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus he's the one who always cares and understands standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find him and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands oh the chorus went I love him yes I love him it was for me he bled and died oh I love him yes I love him more than all the world beside and you know I thought Lord if you could love me that much to die for me and come to me I want you to come into my life and I asked him into my life 
I asked him to forgive me. I asked him to be my Lord and Saviour. And he came right in. It was like walking on air. And brothers and sisters, I have never looked back because he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Do you know him? There may be several here this morning and you've never really trusted Jesus. You've never given God the opportunity to change your life. He has come to give you a hope and a future. You know, God's sovereign, God in sovereignty, in justice and in love, he turned everything around. He does that. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He can do the same in your situation. The promise is in Habakkuk 2.4, the just, the righteous ones shall live by faith. Are you living by faith? You know, somebody once said, true faith is the ability to feel so sure of God that no matter how dark the day, there is no doubt as to the outcome. Amen? Listen to that again. Faith, true faith, the ability to feel so secure in God that no matter how dark the day, there is no doubt as to the outcome. Focusing on God's timing is important, not our timing. In God's way, not our way. He is always working. You know, in John 5, verse 17, Jesus said this, my father has been working, and he is, brothers and sisters, this morning in our lives. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. You know, God is working here. If you have truly believed in Jesus as your saviour, repented and accepted him into your life, whatever may happen to you, and it will be happening this morning, uh, However difficult the situation in your family, children, marriage, single, with finances, with health, in your job, in your relationships, with loneliness, he is still your saviour. He still loves and cares for you. His promise still holds to you. Hebrews says, where he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Peter encourages us, casting the whole of your care, all of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, on Jesus. For he cares for you. Are you at that place? You see, we can either carry our problems and our difficulties and try to muddle through, or we can give them to Jesus and trust him and find his all-powerful grace and love. Amen. You see, Habakkuk changed his focus. He changed it from desperate circumstances onto God's all-sufficiency. 
Habakkuk moved from despair and complaining to God to worship and rejoicing in God. And he composes a hymn. Uh, he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and I'll go, I will, it'll, it'll make me walk on high hills. In other words, on the mountains, you know, the deers that can get over all sorts of obstacles. I wonder, how about you this morning? John and I have experienced over the years many wonderful acts of God in healing, in provision, in grace during our spiritual journey. We all have a journey, don't we? And we bless God for that. But you know, um, we have a daughter uh, um, and I uh, have permission to share this. Um, our daughter at 13 contracted anorexia very seriously. And she went down to four stone. It was dreadful to watch. Two or three times she was that near to death. And we prayed and we sought God and there didn't seem to be any breakthrough at all. And the pain that we felt, and Jan coped so much better with the situation than I did, uh, amazingly. But the thing is, the situation was desperate. And uh, there was a point where uh, medically Speaking, she was unlikely to survive. And as we prayed about this, one of the things God showed us, he gave us that picture of Abraham offering up Isaac to the Lord. Offering up Isaac to the Lord. And showed us that that's what we needed to do. We could, we could carry Debbie but we needed to give her to the Lord and she may not survive. But the thing is at heart level, we gave her, we offered her up to the Lord. And I just want to say this morning, and I'll never forget that first time. And it's been an ongoing thing of offering, but as we did, we experience from the Lord his peace in our heart. That peace that Paul talks about, that passes all understanding. That presence of Jesus flooding our hearts and filling that belly full of pain with his presence. And the beautiful, indescribable presence of Jesus. And... We have had to continually trust her. Today, she's much better. She still has her challenges. She's a doctor and a registrar in, in uh, 
accident and emergency. And God has done a lot of wonderful things in her life, but there are still struggles. And she loves Jesus. And like Habakkuk, she's had to embrace, cling on to God. And so have we. But giving her to the Lord. I wonder this morning, what do you need to do with the situations you face? The situations you find too big. One of the things we found, <clears throat> the Lord says, what uh, the Lord showed to us, whatever you transfer at heart level to Jesus can be transformed and will be ultimately transformed by Jesus. Whatever you transfer to Jesus at heart level, he will transform. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you need to transfer to Jesus? Is it children? Is it marriage? Is it loneliness? Is it job situation? What is it that you need to give to him at heart level to experience the peace and the presence and the strength of God? Habakkuk moved from doubt to faith, from confusion to understanding, from fear to hope, and he experienced the presence of God in his life. And that's why he completely switched and was able to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength and I'll, he'll make my feet like deer to walk on mountains. Brothers and sisters this morning, perhaps you need Jesus and he's here to come into your life. There are things you know deep down and God laid on my heart, there are, there are certain things that he's carry, you're carrying and the Lord wants you to cast them upon him at heart level. I wonder if we could just pray together. Just ask yourself this morning, Lord, what am I holding on to? What issue, what person, what conflict that I need to bring to you? Let's relax in our weakness, but in Jesus' strength. Admitting this is too big for me, Lord, but it's not too big for you. And right now, Lord, I surrender at heart level completely to you, this person, this situation, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I give my brokenness, my job, my loved ones to you. Now do that, do that. Give them to Jesus. Don't carry them. To his capable hands, give them. And right now, allow the powerful, almighty, loving, compassionate Lord to come 
with his peace, to come with his strength, to come with his presence into your situation. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.